For the second year in a row, a red flag secures pole position for Charles Leclerc. But he'll be glad this time it's not his car that was in the barrier. Welcome to welcome back to episode 199 of the Grid Talk podcast. My name is Lou Edwards, and today we are going to be reviewing qualifying for the 2022 Monaco Grand Prix. Joining me today, we have Warren Shaw from the Pallet Pals podcast. How's it going? Olivia Cairo from the Chicane Crew. Hello. And Jawad Yakub from the Hit the Apex podcast. Hey. Hey, everyone. So we'll start with you, Warren. Charles Leclerc on pole. And even though this time the red flag didn't really make much difference because he has been flying uh, throughout qualifying and he was definitely the the one to be out there. I mean, his lap times were just incredible and only that red flag just secured what I think we all knew what was going to happen today. Yeah, it did. And that that first lap he put in Q3 was a, a 111.3. That, I was, we've, you always hope you get like the, hey, you get like three people at the line just getting for pole. He was clearly, what, two tenths up on everybody. I was like, boy, he took the drama out of this one. What a great lap that was at the beginning. I was kind of disappointed that he took a little drama out of it because I want maximum drama. But that was that was an incredible lap there in Q3. And I would say it was well-deserved. It was interesting. Uh, I'm in, a, in, in the States, so I didn't see FP3, but I saw a lot of chatter on Twitter like, oh, Perez, he won FP3. Maybe he's going to nick this quality out of it. And he was pretty quick, but Charles – put the foot down and was like, nope, I'm getting pulled again. And it was an incredible lap in uh, Q3. It surely was. And Olivia, at the moment, he has his teammate uh, lining up alongside. I'll get everyone's um, point of view uh, on this as well. But Carlos Sainz put his put his Ferrari in, um, in second place, then put his Ferrari into Perez uh, at the end of that session. Um I mean, give me your thoughts. He, he was having a great qualifying, but do you reckon he'll get a penalty? Um, I don't think he will get a penalty, but it is nice to see Carlos back um, up quite close to his teammate after the struggle that he's had um, so far in the season. So hopefully it carries on throughout the race. Um, but I know he's mentioned that he's been suffering from the porpoising and hopefully that doesn't also carry on. But I don't think that he will have a reprimand or a penalty for going into Paris. I do think it was kind of it was very split second. So I don't think he was really paying attention to the yellow flags. Or, so I don't I don't see why he could have any issue. Mm, I mean, it was split second, Judd. Um yeah, I mean, the, it, he said himself on the radio and then in the post-race um, interview as well that he saw it incredibly late. And the reason why he span the way he did is because he absolutely slammed on the brakes trying to avoid um, Perez's car that was kind of stranded in the middle of the track. Um, but it, there have been some on board showing that there were yellow flags already being shown before he hit uh, before he went into Portier. So it's really going to be up to Stewart's disc- uh, discretion of was there enough time to see it? You know, was there a chance to see it, or did he just miss them completely? Yeah, it'll uh, be a tough. I definitely think you're right on that one. Oh, sorry, was that you, Gerard? <laughs> no, I thought I heard my name. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, um, 
Olivia, if you want to talk first, and then we'll come to. No, we'll come I, to I, I agree with you completely. I just think that um, I don't think he was expecting to see the car that early on into the turn. So I think that's why. Um, yeah, I'll leave it to Joanne now. Sorry. Right. And Jared, um, what was your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, it's a tough one, especially with the way uh, stewards have been making decisions this year. So we did talk about it just before off-air, uh, Lewis Hamilton back in Austria a couple of years ago falling afoul of a similar penalty and the fact that Red Bull had to protest that um, the following day, I think it was, before the race with some 360 onboard footage to actually show that the yellow flag was waving or the double wave yellows for him to get that grid penalty. So, yeah, we might not know till tomorrow, really, um, before the race if uh, this is going to be some kind of penalty. But I'm with Olivia. I feel like it's not, um, it's kind of not necessary given the circumstances in which this happened. Yeah. And quickly, uh, Warren, um, what were your views uh, on it? Um, do you think there is um, much debate for a penalty for science? Because Considering that this has become a big debate because he is only now one reprimand away from a, a template grid penalty. I, I think it'd be quite hard to be out of penalty. That's I, I mean, you have to go in split second decisions and everything. I, I, I think it'd be quite hard to be out of penalty. Right. Okay. Um, but then, Joe, we'll come back to you and say third place, Sergio Perez. And he's had the measure of max. Uh, not just today, but yesterday as well. Um, he's really looked quick around here, but there are going to be some questions around the Red Bull guys of whether or not that gearbox, um, you know, is still, you know, workable after quite a, a hefty shunt into the wall. Um, but if he is able to continue P3 ahead of Max at Monaco, it's, it's a good job um, by Perez, given how quick Max is usually around this track. Yeah, it's pretty great for, for Checo and especially after last weekend as well. I'm sure uh, under the visor, he'll probably be feeling a bit um, filthy uh, with the team orders and everything and will want to get one back on his teammate, even though the team will say that there's been talks and they've cleared the air and everything. So nothing like a bit of pride from Checo and I like seeing that. Um, the gearbox is definitely a big question whether... Um, It'll be good to go for tomorrow's race again, like last year with Leclerc on pole and then crashing the car. We didn't find out until the outlap that um, there was a problem with that. So, you know, we'll have to sweat on that overnight and into the race itself. But if he's good to go, then, you know, um, it'll be interesting to see how Red Bull play the race um, with their strategy, will they favour the car that's ahead on the day or are they going to f- think about the world championship and favour um, the championship leader, which is Verstappen in this instance? But Perez has been excellent this weekend and just all season so far, you know, if you don't mind me saying, he has been, you know, delivering the way that Red Bull have wanted him to deliver. You know, last year there were times where people were out to get him and saying, oh, you know, he's no better than uh, the drivers that they've had in the car before. But this year we're definitely seeing the kind of driver that Red Bull have needed in that car for quite some time. Yeah, he's definitely, uh, he's definitely put up some some nice bit of competition. And I think Red Bull will be very grateful for that, especially in their constructors' um, uh, battles. Um, Warren, we do now need to move on to Max. And 
he's just not been he doesn't seem to be that comfortable with the car he, you know they've the Red Bull have tried a lot of setup changes tried to make him feel that a uh, bit more comfortable but he just doesn't seem to have the grip that the Ferraris have and it's shown because he's just not been on the pace really of either Leclerc or Sainz or even his teammate who just feel a lot more at ease and feel a lot more comfortable to push the car yeah, I, I mean, it's quite surprising, isn't it, that he's that he's off the mark by this much, especially to Perez. You don't really see him get beat by Perez this much or be off the pace this much. I, I don't. Well, I, it's, it's not a confidence thing. I think it's just got to be a car setup because I mean, we saw him win last year. It's it's just quite surprising that. It, I mean, you saw when he you saw when he got out of the car, he did not want to talk to anybody. He went right to the garage. He was mad. I, I, I mean, I don't really know what to chalk it up to, other than I guess he's they he just he's not feeling it in the setup is what they have. I think that's pretty simple. Yeah, I think he'll definitely be hoping either for a, a science penalty and maybe something and with his teammate to get him onto the front row tomorrow because he did seem uh, quite far off. Um, and Olivia, we move on to P five. Lando Norris um, still slightly suffering with tonsillitis, not as bad as. Uh, last weekend but p5 done a great job the last time he was p5 uh and the monaco grand prix finished third um probably less likely this year but with a wet race tomorrow potentially you know we could see another lando norris podium in in monaco definitely um that is something to look forward to it is quite amazing how he qualified in p5 again um, I would have to say that it is nice to see him pushing the McLarens ahead um, and upsetting that he doesn't have the support of his teammate, but especially um, to do with how his health is looking right now, P5 is quite tremendous for um, Lando. Yeah, it's it's, it's very good. Um, yeah, you're right to bring up where his teammate is. Uh, I think we'll uh, we'll get onto that a little later with uh, with Daniel Ricciardo. But uh, Joe, we'll move on to the first of the Mercedes, George Russell in P6. Now the Mercedes saying very confidently last week that they have fixed their porpoising issues and come to Monaco and that car now looks incredibly bouncy once again. And it's cost them a lot of lap time. They've gone from looking very competitive to re- like George Russell. I think P6 is a, is a mega effort for him, him given just how far off the pace they've been most of this weekend. Yeah. I don't know if um, they completely fixed the porpoising issues as they made us to believe in Barcelona. It still seemed through some of the slower speed corners, they were having a bit of um, porpoising happening there. So uh, maybe that's why it's affecting him a lot more uh, this time out. But again, to see George ahead of his teammate, seven-time champion Hamilton, um, quite good. And yeah, only, you know, considering where they are with their car, seven-tenths off pole compared to where Hamilton is. He was, I think, 1.1 seconds off uh, pole position. So great job from Russell. Again, it's going to be solid points if he can hold it tomorrow, um, pending what happens at the front, you know, pending what happens with the weather as well. He's, you know, if he can keep up that record of finishing top five every race this year, um, he'll be laughing, especially coming into a weekend where Mercedes did think it would be a bit difficult Mm. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about uh, Lewis Hamilton and his um, 
his issues like he's had a, a bit. But first, uh, Warren, we have to talk about Fernando Alonso. Um, people kind of forgot that Fernando Alonso also put it in the wall um, at Mirabeau at the end of that session. But other than that, a very solid showing, not just from Fernando, but by, but by Alpine in general, both cars into Q3. Um the car has looked quite settled. And again, Fernando's managed to make the most of it and put himself ahead of his uh, long-time rival, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, no, great, great drive from Fernando. I've been saying that, I, like, in Australia, he could have got uh, on the podium after qualifying. Like, it's there. He just needs to do – he just needs to extract out of it. And seven today, I would say, for him, is a great result. I, I mean, Alpine, they – I would say they have to be what the fourth fastest car on the grid right now. I th- just based on the two of them, I think they're faster than McLaren just, or maybe they have two better drivers than McLaren has two right now. So that's why they're showing it off more. But I, I mean, Alpine, I think they're probably like the top of the best of the rest. Um, and, and in my opinion, this is a great, great drive from uh, Alonso today. Yeah, truly was people currently questioning whether or not he's, going to be in the sports soon, but uh, if he keeps doing these results, uh, I'm sure our people uh, want to stick around. Um, Olivia, Lewis Hamilton, P, P8, um, four tenths off his teammate. Uh, it's It's been strange because he he's really struggled with the car. He's uh, struggled with controlling rear t- tyre temperatures, just not having the good feel for it and that's the whole thing about monaco if you don't have a good feel for your car then you're not going to be quick because you need that confidence in your car to to set quick lap times and it's just not been there yeah no it really hasn't been there and you can hear it in his voice in team radio um whenever he calls in um it's quite difficult to hear it's quite difficult to watch as well how much he's struggling in the car just like you said but I will have to agree with uh Jawad in how he said that um Mercedes hasn't really gone around their porpoising issues and it's starting to show more um this weekend and just like you said as well in Monaco if you don't have a good feel for the car then it's going to show and it's going to progress throughout the weekend. So um, I don't know if it's going to be looking really good for Lewis tomorrow. Hopefully with the miracle of rain, um, he's able to turn P8 into a high position, maybe even a podium. I hope so. It's not looking like it will be, but um, definitely does not look like Mercedes is in a good place right now from Hamilton's point of view. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, he'll definitely be hoping that his sort of mastery of the wet weather comes in handy if it does decide to rain. Um, and hopefully the team will make some uh, good decisions. Um, Judd, P9 for Sebastian Vettel. Um, previously, Sebastian Vettel has never finished outside the top five in any race he's ever competed in Monaco in Formula One. And given just how bad this Aston Martin has been this season, and given even where his teammate is right now, down in Pier 18, P9 is just it's something you, you. It's amazing, really, isn't it? It's like, it seems like a weird leap from Vettel. Look, it was it was a shock to see his name jump up into the top 10 towards the end of Q2. But as much as, you know, I've been hating on Aston Martin this year and their performance, I was, you know, 
happy for Seb to to get in there because, as you say, his record at Monaco is impeccable. And it just reminded me of the Vettel of old kind of, you know, pulling together those really good laps. So, you know, yeah, 1.3 seconds behind uh, pole position, that's kind of where they are, um, probably a bit ahead of where they, where they should be when you compare it to uh, where Lance Stroll is. But um, it's going to be a nice little uh, battle or little DRS train, if you want to say, with Alonso, Hamilton and Vettel all bunched up together. Um, how many world championships is that? Um, 12, 13 championships all in 7th, 8th and ninth. So that'll be a good one to watch. So, you know, hopefully they can hang on there for some points um, and, you know, with where their battle with Williams at the moment, it will be important to edge a bit ahead if they can. Yeah, they definitely um, need to take every point that they can get. And with the, the bonus and benefit of uh, Monaco being a difficult track to overtake, I'm sure that Sebastian Vettel will want to make his Aston Martin as wide as possible to not let uh, the likes of maybe Ocon, who should probably be uh, faster than him, or even the likes of Snowder or Bottas uh, behind. But um, yeah, Warren, we'll move on. Esteban Ocon, uh, P10. Uh, it was his slowest lap that he set in um, Q3 out of all of the um, the qualifying sessions. So it's probably didn't get a clean lap done. And then, of course, then the red flag would have uh, probably cancelled any chance that he had to to set a better lap time. But it's still in the points. And as we already discussed, being in the points of Monaco on, um, on a Saturday is, is crucial just because of how hard it is to overtake. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I always find it interesting when it seemed like Aston Martin or like Alpine get in Q3, how they always, they don't put out like the banker lap. I know they're trying to, they, they just wait to the last minute, try and get that, try and get that one lap in there. I always find that interesting. I think how they do that. So that's kind of what they did today, I think. But also like with, with the threat of rain in the forecast tomorrow, I, I mean, who knows what, like, I think that's a truly unknown when we look at the grid right now. Like, I mean, any, yes, a normal dry race, you're in 10. That's great. You're, you, you should probably secure some points, but with the threat of rain and like the unknown tomorrow, like we don't really know what the, like the order could look completely different at the end of the race than what it is today, just based on how difficult or how, how, how the conditions are. It's, it's, it's quite fascinating here. Yeah, of course, Monaco, it's sort of famous for wet races in the terms of, you think, back into the 90s when Olivier Panis won. Um, only three cars finished that race, so uh, I'm sure Ocon, if, if a, a repeat is to happen this year, Ocon will want to be one of those three drivers to uh, to finish the race. Um, so, Olivier, now we're sort of the outside of the top 10 now. Yuki Tsunoda in P11. Now, I think we, when we talk about Yuki Tsunoda, we need to talk about this weird red flag that we had in in, um, in Q1. Um, he hit the inside of the barrier, the Nobel chicane, brought out a red flag, and it kind of screwed a lot of uh, drivers beneath him. Uh, and I think he'll be very grateful for the fact he managed to even get into P11. Uh, definitely. I think he lucked out on that one. Um, but just like you said, the premature red flag came out of nowhere. Um, it was just a puncture, but I do think that it was kind of like a, a prepare for worse situation on the Marshall's point of view. But it did really screw over a lot of people below him, like Kevin Magnuson and people. But um, 
I mean, he's lucky because he's on the outskirts of the points, so he kind of could edge his way into the points. But I do think it's interesting that he's above his teammate. For for it's quite rare that he qualifies above his teammate, but I, I it it was quite the odd Q one session, I will say. Yeah, very uh, very uh, very odd. Um... P12, Valtteri Bottas, Jawad. Uh, Bottas has not had a great luck this uh, weekend. Friday's uh, running was cut down for some issues, and then he's just not had that time in the car, really, to um, to probably uh, get the car set up as he liked, and P12 was was the best he could do. Is there... The, <laughs> um, with it really sort of being unpredictable tomorrow, what's actually going to happen... Uh, his points, his chances of points are quite low. Yeah, and considering coming into the weekend, there was this talk about how um, they could be the surprise packet for this weekend, and how a podium for Bottas and Alfa Romeo might be the best thing that ever happened this season. So that's totally gone out the window unless we have an absolute bonkers race. But um, like you said, yeah, he doesn't seem to have any luck at the moment um, during the practice sessions on Friday to the point where he's actually joked saying, oh, I told um, my team boss, Frederick Pursuer, that I might just rock up to Baku the next race Friday night and just completely avoid the practice sessions. But yeah, they had a problem with their MGUK and had to replace that and um, the gearbox Again, like not having enough time in the car like he's not had in the previous races too. So obviously that's going to show um, eventually as skilled as a driver as Bottas is and, you know, particularly around Monaco where, like we were saying earlier, you've got to have that car right to your liking and fine-tuned to the um, absolute, you know, have it to perfection. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to miss out on top 10 and once you miss out on the top 10 that could be your race done and dusted in 12th but um still good on good on him for getting it that far up but yeah you know it, it's kind of disappointing knowing that we could have seen it a bit higher uh like he has done in previous races this year and it's it's been good but yeah <laughs> um we just have to pray for a miracle for Valtteri yeah, I think the same can be really said for like the next five drivers that we know it's all come across with Warren. We've got Kevin Magnussen in P13, you know, Haas aren't the quickest car out there, but, you know, P13 is respectable. And if this was any sort of normal race, we'd probably be going, well, he's got a, he's got a shot at points. But again, like Bottas, and like Sonoda, they're going to be hoping for something big tomorrow, you know, maybe a safety car, which goes in their favour, maybe weather that goes in their favour, or a few DNFs, um, if they're really going to score any sort of points. Yeah, no, I agree. And Haas, really, they, after last week, I mean, they had a good, they, both cars make it to Q3 last weekend, this week they're both out. I I don't really know what's going on with Haas. It just seems like they didn't bring up Grace last week. Who I did they they just go at the beat of their own drum, I'll tell you. They just they are just out there doing whatever. But yeah, no, you you just gotta hope maybe do a little rain dance tonight. Find get some crazy action going on to get in the points. But like you said, pretty much the next four or five guys, they're all in the same situation, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Haas have announced that they're not actually going to be bringing any upgrades now until France. So it's going to be... I, 
I don't. I, what are they? Do, what are they doing here? Maybe I need to go to fly to Charlotte and see what they're doing. Or like, what? What, what are we doing, Haas? I, off to such a great start. I know you got some. I, I know they got a good break in Bahrain with a couple of DNS. But what? What are we doing here? Yeah, we don't know. It's like last year. It's like last season. All the you can say that about Haas in pretty any other season that they've been in F one apart from that's you know, true. Um, right, Olivia. Now we move on to P fourteen, and there sits uh, a lowly sort of Daniel Ricardo um, with a teammate in fifth. It doesn't look good, and he's just isn't working at the moment. He's just not finding that uh, that pace that Lando has in that car and it is now starting to sort of beg a lot of questions whether people want to sort of believe them or not but you know surely at some point we're going to see Ricardo come to grips with that McLaren it's, it's got to it's got to happen at some point uh yeah it is sad to see um I don't know it's he's struggled to um, adapt to the car since he joined McLaren and I guess now with the new aerodynamic regulations it kind of adds on to the stress that he's been put under but um, I, it's sad to see that um, questions on his driving ability are being uh, brought up and people discussing whether his contract would be um, can be voided and other possible people coming in. So I, d- I don't know what he can do at this point, but you kind of have to have um, high hopes for Daniel in that he could possibly come back. And if there is a place to come back, it is Monaco after 2018, his 2018, his 2018 win. So you kind of have cross fingers as you watch hopefully the rain again. The rain is really the, the banking thing that everyone's banking on the rain for everyone this weekend. But you do hope that the rain comes in and kind of turns things around for Daniel, hopefully brings him closer to his teammate, if anything. But it's not looking really good for him right now. No, and uh, I was going to ask you, uh, Jared, sort of like uh, maybe uh, next year with Ricardo going, you're maybe looking to maybe someone like Oscar Piastri for Aussie and F1 because if things do continue this way it does look like McLaren might look somewhere else Oh look at least I've I've got hope um, that even if Ricardo moves on we've got two young Aussie drivers on their way up you know one Jack Dewan of course racing in F2 this year son of uh, Mick Dewan the MotoGP world champion and then of course Oscar Piastri who's sitting on the sidelines there with Alpine so um yeah, uh, it's not like we'll, we'll be sad, but it is sad in the respect that, you know, Ricardo has been such a great driver for such a long time. Uh, and when you look at his record at Monaco too, he's got two pole positions, which, you know, pole position around Monaco is quite a mean feat. And then you look at that race in 2016, which we were talking about, which would have been a sure victory if it wasn't for that bunk pit stop. Um would have been two two wins for him there easily. So, yeah, you know, Monaco would have been the circuit for him to to get the act together. But when you get your team principal talking about your you know uh, options in the contract and you know the fact that he hasn't met expectations and stuff, then 
it, it, it does look pretty dire. So, um, yeah, not sure how this one's going to pan out, but i um, going to try and be optimistic and hope that he can get some results in the come, upcoming races because that's the only way he's going to be able to see that third year of his existing contract. Yeah, and, you know, like McLaren, you know, they've, they've got so many... Um, Sort of so many fingers and so many pies sort of around motorsport now with the Formula E team that they're now buying into their IndyCar setup and Formula One. They've got such a plethora of drivers to um, to call upon, um, like Pato Award. Um, we'll see how he gets on in, you know, the Indy 500 tomorrow and, you know, as well as just other drivers that they can uh, call upon. So it'd be interesting to see uh, how uh, this sort of pans out. But... Um, Warren, hate to come back to you on uh, on Haas, but uh, Mick Schumacher uh, in P15, you got to you got to feel at some point that his his time to get into Q3 is going to come, but maybe just not this weekend. Yeah, well, maybe it's in France and they bring the upgrades like they said they're <laughs> going to be. But uh, no, I uh, yeah, no, I I I agree. It's it's he got in last week. You got to think it's going to be coming soon. I also said that I don't think this is really something that's an original take, but I mean, he's on like the George Russell path, I think, when we saw him at the beginning of his Williams career. Because I, me personally, for Schumacher, I, I last year's a watch. This is like his true rookie season to me in a, in a competitive car. So he is like Russell in the early stage when he got into Williams early. Like he's still trying to figure things out. And like we're all like, hey, when's George going to get some points? Well, when's Mick going to get some points? I mean, it's coming. He's, he's had a couple chances last week. He tried, but the strategy wasn't there. Like it's coming, but maybe uh, obviously it's probably not going to be this week. Um, but that's how I equate Mick uh, this year so far, like a true rookie season last year. I don't even know. Yeah. He just got track time. I think that's how I equate it last year. Well, if there is one positive to look at Mick Schumacher, last year's Monaco Grand Prix saw just the one on-track overtake throughout the entire 78 <laughs> laps. And that overtake was made by Mick Schumacher on his teammate, Nikita Mazepin. Yes. Uh, so, fingers crossed, they may, he, he could uh, possibly, I don't know, I don't think he could pass Daniel Ricciardo, but we'll see. Um, I was going <laughs> well, to say most people... Uh, forget he did the overtake because we didn't see a lie i mean it, it went to the meme of all memes so you forget that he was the guy that did the overtake there <laughs> exactly that that last year's race is very much summed up by them cutting to lance stroll and yes i think the less said about the tv direction again this year probably the better because i could be here all day <laughs> yeah. um so we'll, we'll swiftly move on olivia to alex albon who almost looked like he could really take advantage of that red flag. He set quite a, a good lap time, but then he missed out on Q2 by just like just under a tenth, um, which is remarkable given that he was almost a second faster than his teammate. I know. Um, it is quite nice to see the um, that Alex Albon can come back and spread his wings in the Williams because it did feel like he was quite restricted in the Red Bull, but I... Do you think that um, it it's upsetting that he couldn't break into Q two? Uh, but hopefully, the good luck from the red hair comes back tomorrow and the rain again. But yeah, no, um, he does keep on extending past his teammate every single weekend, and it 
it's interesting to see um, how the difference between both drivers. But yeah, no, Alex does look like he's doing what's needed for Williams at this point. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough to get him closer to a points situation for tomorrow. But who knows? Yeah, true. It's, um, anything can happen at Monaco. However, it doesn't always mean that it that it does. Um, P17, Pierre Gasly, uh, Jared, and we've already discussed with uh, Yuki So that he was the one who lost out the biggest from that mess of a red flag in Q1. And yeah, he's been fast. Like, there's no doubt that like, Gasly does not deserve to be in P17. He has been very quick this entire weekend. He's been up there with the McLarens and the Mercedes. And he is going to be gutted that he's all the way down in P17 with a very, very small hope of points. Look, it would have been the miracle that they needed. Uh, to me, AlphaTauri haven't had the greatest season so far in terms of results. And Pierre Gasly, who, you know, last two seasons has been one of the most consistent performers. He's been scoring points uh, at will, you know, winning races, being on the podium, whatever. Um, and for some reason this year, it just hasn't uh, been that great for them. So this is a huge missed opportunity. I don't know from all the way down where he is at the moment, P17, if there's going to be much hope of getting into the points. I mean, if if there is a, the usual attrition and safety cars and wet weather chaos, then there's, there's a chance. But, you know, we can't count on that. Um, helping all the drivers that we want to get into the points. So um, it's just, yeah, yeah, the (laughs) red flag basically, you know, ruined his run and um, just going to have to lick the wounds now and uh, hope for a better run in the next race. Mm, I mean, he was literally metres from the line when Mm. the the red flag came out. He is so unlucky um, that it happened. And, uh, yeah, I think he may as well uh, just pack his bags and have them ready to to the next next race because it's unlikely that he's going to get much out of uh, this race. Uh, Then P18, Lance Stroll, Warren, this is... I'm not, I will say I'm not Lance Stroll's biggest fan. I've never have been. And to be honest, it's just further confirms my thoughts of Lance Stroll. Yeah, look, we got a daddy's money in 18th and 19th going into Monaco. Um, so, yeah, only thing I know about Stroll is he had quite the scream on team radio that that <laughs> that made me do like a double take on it. But I, but he maybe he was unlucky with the red flag. I don't really know, but I mean, I don't think there's anything much else to say about Lance Stroll. It's, it's, he's, he's kind of underperforming, I think this year, but the car is not great. And so P18, I think anything, anytime he gets out of Q, Q1, it's, it's a good drive from him. But this, I, this is not surprising for me. Yeah, Stroll was able to set a lap um, after the red flag. I think he was one of the last drivers over the line. If I, if I'm, not mistaken, but yeah, he just his, his lap was just not good enough um, to get him out out of Q one. And given where his um, you know his teammate is in P nine, he'll he'll be very very disappointed. And yeah, P nineteen, Nicholas Latifi, Olivia. I mean, 
what can you say? I think he'll take the positive in the fact that he's not last. I think so. There's not much you can really say because he does seem to be really comfortable um, in the Williams and in the positions that he continues to be in, which is either 19th or 20th. Um, but it, it's interesting also to see the conversations that are going around about his contract. Um, it doesn't even look like it is enough to push him to keep going further. There was quite the odd uh, team radio in in this session, um, or I think it was in one of the free practice sessions that kind of was pushing Latifi to follow Albon and kind of learn from Albon in how he progresses along in the track. But I don't think there is much you can expect from Latifi at this point. Um, there's questions about Nick DeVries um, replacing him, maybe a Roy Nassani, I don't know. But at this point, it doesn't seem like there's much improvement for Latifi. And it's sad to see both Canadians following each other in the bottom right now. Yeah, I mean, you've got DeVries, who is a Formula E world champion, and uh, Roy Nassani, who is he's currently... P9 in this uh, in this F2 race, but I would definitely want to choose a. Hopefully, I would definitely hope that uh, Williams chooses to freeze over Nasani, given some of Nasani's questionable racing that I've seen from him just this season. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, Giles, we move on to Zhou Guanyu P20. Didn't get set a lap time, uh, re- well, any sort of competitive lap time in um, in Q1, and yeah, that kind of just sort of put him left him out to dry at the back of the back of the grid. He's not had a lot of luck in qualifying this year. Uh, I don't think he's had a lot of luck in general this year. I mean, I was looking at the last couple of races for him and having two uh, mechanical DNFs on the bounce uh, in Miami and in Barcelona. It's kind of hoping, oh, you know, he could have a clean race. And even if it is running outside the points, at least see the checkered flag this time. Um, if I mean one way about one way of going about it might be to start him from the pit lane, for example, just to avoid any kind of chaos at the start of this race. It is his first Monaco Grand Prix in Formula One too, so um, you know maybe throw some new power unit components at it or a new gearbox and see if they can stay out of trouble for this one. Because yeah, I think just seeing the checkered flag for him at the moment will do him a bit of good confidence wise. Because yeah, apart from Bahrain, I think, where they scored uh, one point. They haven't had any points finishes this season when you look at um, the performance relative to Bottas, but we didn't expect, you know, Joe Guanyu to be, you know, out driving or even matching the pace of Bottas. But in a car that has been proven to be in the top 10 in qualifying and the race, uh, you would hope that, you know, they'd be a little bit closer as well. So, um, yeah, I think it just trying to stay out of trouble uh, tomorrow will be the important thing for, for the rookie. Mm. Yeah, it's it definitely um, just the sort of the things that come with it, uh, with a rookie season. You've got to, you've got to make your own luck in this game sometimes. And uh, uh, I think he's finding that out the hard way, but we've been through all 20 drivers now. It's time for the good old prediction section of this. And Warren, we'll start with you. Uh, so, We'll start with podium predictions uh, first. So uh, who's going to be on your podium tomorrow? All right. So 
so on our podcast we did, I, I had uh, Hamilton on the podium. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I was, I was buying the Mercedes hype is what I was doing. And I'm not, I'm not a big Lewis guy. So I was throwing those fans about, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it. I'm not a flip flopper. I know it's probably an outside an outside shot there, but I said it on Thursday. I, I'm going to go with what I said. There is going to be uh, Charles uh, signs. And then we'll have uh, Lewis on the podium just because I'm not a flip flopper. But if I was a flip flopper, I would say we will get uh, Charles signs and Max on the podium. Okay. Olivia. Um, I think I'd have to go with um, uh, Perez signs and Verstappen uh, podium, okay. but that's just me being spicy. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, Mon- the Monaco, cur- the Charles's Monaco curse is yet to strike uh, this week and so far. So it's sad. I really want him to do well, but I'm gonna have to stick with what's been going on previously. And that's, that's happening again. But yeah. That's, that's fair enough, fair enough. And uh, John? Oh, I'm going to say that the Monaco curse has been lifted after crashing the Nicky Lauda Ferrari. So it'll be Charles Leclerc <laughs> to win. Um, second, Max Verstappen. And third, we'll have our boy Lando Norris uh, coming in to have another podium after last year. See, I'm kind of with. Warren in this prediction because I said all the way back uh, in February that Max Verstappen would win the Monaco Grand Prix and I'll be damned if I don't stick with that so I'm going to put Max to win uh, but then behind him I'll say Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz but I've got to stick to my guns I can't I can't, <laughs> can't be seen to step down um, yep I was just to say, hey, Max could end up starting second. All exactly. Done, so it's, it's not it's not that far fetched. If, if things go his way, he could be starting second. Exactly. Um, yet to actually hear uh, anything about um, either of those two things. So we still have to maybe find out tomorrow uh, what happens with that. Um, and then finally, oh, well, we'll now move on to bold predictions. Uh, Warren, we'll start with you again. Uh, give us your bold prediction for the Monaco Grand Prix. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to, my bold prediction was that Vettel, we are going to get in the points. I'm going to go even bolder. He's never got a top. He's always finished in the top five. He's going to get a top six. We're just going to say he's going to get a top six tomorrow. We're going to add it up there. So Vettel in the top six. Okay, then. Olivia? Um, I think I'd have to go with George on podium. Hopefully first as a bold prediction, but that's really bold so i'll just stick with george on podium bolder the better we love it here and john oh hard one hard one i reckon given the current uh predicament for uh daniel ricardo i'm gonna say he's gonna finish uh top eight getting the points fair enough i usually have my (laughs) my my usual um bold prediction of latifi for points um, <laughs> but this is just seems a borderline on impossible. Um, I'll stick with it though <laughs> because <laughs> it's it, it may happen, it may happen. He could do he could do an Olivier Panis, and then everyone will he'll quiet down all the Latifi haters out there. 
uh, <laughs> who don't rate him as a driver, as I imagine 90% of the F1 community don't. Um, and given it's Monaco, we'll do our last one. So as I mentioned earlier in the show, there was one on-track overtake in the entirety of the Monaco Grand Prix last year. So exclude, there's excluding ones that happen in the pit lane, excluding any DNFs. So we'll work backwards. We'll start with you, Joan. How many on-track overtakes do you think we're going to see tomorrow? Uh, so there was one last year. Uh, let's say six. Six. Okay. Olivia? I think I'd go with five. Five. five six. Warren, I I was gonna say five as well, but I'll uh, I'll 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 up the ante to seven. Seven, <laughs> uh, bold. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna go like four, and I think they're all gonna happen on like the first lap. Yep. <laughs> so uh, that so that, that brings us uh, to the end uh, of this show. If you are listening uh, to the show live on YouTube, you'll know that we live stream all of our shows. And if you're not subscribed already, make sure to subscribe and hit the bell notification so you get notified every time that we go live for one of our shows. And if you're not listening to us on YouTube, welcome to subscribe. And also, um, you can ask us questions in the comments and you can interact and also get to listen to our podcasts early and as they happen so make sure uh to come over subscribe and hit bell notifications we're also of course available on spotify apple music amazon music google podcast pocket cast omni studio verbal as well as the f1 chronicle website just search for the f1 grid talk podcast and also you can check out the write-up for the qualifying on the f1 chronicle website as well if you give us a five-star review on iTunes, we'll make sure to give you a shout-out on our next show, and any and all feedback on our podcast is much appreciated. We have a huge back catalogue now, so if you're stuck with something to listen to between now and tomorrow afternoon before the race, um, we have now almost 200 shows that you can listen to, uh, including interviews from Mario Zola from Pirelli, as well as more documentary-style po- um, podcasts, not just race reviews. So feel free to check them out. Um, we also have a Patreon, so if you'd like to give support the podcast and help towards better mics, lights, and recording equipment for all our hosts, um, any support is greatly appreciated. And you can also get some official F1 Grid Talk uh, merch at the f1chronicle.com slash store. I would show you my mug, but I don't have it with me. Um, now we'll move on to our guest. So um, let our listeners know where they can find more of you. So Warren, where can our listeners find uh, more from you? Yeah, we're the uh, Paddock Pals podcast. My cousin and I, uh, Rachel does it. I think she was, she was on the uh, Miami quality one. Um, we are on Apple, Spotify, Google play. You can follow us on Twitter at Paddock Pals and we'll, we will do a Monaco uh, recap uh, tomorrow after the race too, as well. So go check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Brilliant. And Olivia. Um, you can find me on the Chicane Crew podcast with two of my other friends, Yuri and Marcus. Um, we'll be doing a Monaco review as well on Monday. Ready? And Joe? Yeah, so I've got my Hit the Apex podcast, uh, which you can find on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google, pretty much all the good podcast platforms. 
uh, on Twitter as well at Hit the Apex Media, and we'll be doing um, a Monaco Grand Prix review later in the week as well. And a couple of weeks ago, I did a episode with none other than Steve from Shakedown. Um, hi, Steve, if you're listening. Also a member of Grid Talk, and that was good, talking about the Bathurst 12-hour. So that's a good one to go back into uh, my archive and check out as well. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, so I want to thank all of my guests for joining me today. And tomorrow we will be back for the race review at 5 p.m. British Summer Time, live on YouTube. But until then, stay safe and goodbye. <laughs>